All right, welcome back to another episode of Millennial Sales. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo, uh, and I'm here to bring you another week full of content specifically for millennials trying to up their sales uh, and business career. So, got a great episode. Uh, before we get into what we're talking about today, just want to let you know that you can find more content from me. Uh, I post daily on LinkedIn, Tom Alemo on Twitter and Instagram at Tommy Tahoe. And you can find show notes, uh, blogs, newsletters, everything else on millennialmomentum.net. And you can check out this podcast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever that you typically listen to your podcast, you can check out uh, Millennial Sales and do a little research there. So I would be very grateful if you subscribed, if you left a review, if you found any value that just helps us to reach more people uh, and help spread the message. So uh, without further ado... Uh, in this week's episode, uh, we, I do an interview with Jake Dunlap. Uh, so Jake is the CEO of Scaled Consulting. Uh, most of you probably have seen him on LinkedIn or elsewhere. He's one of the best voices in the modern world of B2B sales. Uh, and there's a few reasons why I love Jake. And, and one is that he, you know, he's a true practitioner. He's been there. He's done it. He's gone from uh, you know, selling in the Major League Baseball for the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays to the NHL where he was selling for the Phoenix Coyotes, getting into uh, technology and, and HR, uh, where he ultimately landed at Glassdoor and helped to scale their team up uh, and ran all of sales there uh, in the early 2010s. Uh, and we talk about a lot of different things. Um, you know, we talk about his early career. We talk about why he told his boss to fuck off uh, <laughs> while he's at the Phoenix Coyotes and what that was all about. Um, what I really appreciate and where we really see eye to eye and talk a lot about is uh, picking growth over money earlier in your career. And that's his advice and how to become a student of the game, right? Always working on your growth, on your skill set, And that's what ends up leading to, you know, big dollars and a lot of success later on in your career. Um, we talk about some, you know, some great stories from his early days in sales from Glassdoor, uh, from when he was selling uh, in some of the sports world. So it's a great episode. Jake is all over the place. You can check him out uh, on LinkedIn. He's posting every single day, probably multiple times. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you can check out Scaled, Scaled, uh, S-K-A-L-E-D, Consulting. He's all over the place. He's really kind of like a Gary V uh, for the B2B sales world. So you can check him out all over. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado... Let me bring you to my conversation with Jake Dunlap. Let's go. All right, Jake Dunlap. Good morning, man. Welcome to Millennial Sales. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I saw, you know, just to get into it, I saw a post from you, uh, I think earlier this week or a few days ago, just about the COVID slump. And that's obviously timely. So uh, how's how's yeah. COVID treated you the last six or seven months? How are you dealing with everything? Yeah, I think I call it like the quarantine zombie mode. Um, yeah, yeah. It's been good, man. Honestly, it's been, uh, you know, as when you're running a company, um, I think what we've done is found a good job to, uh, what do you call it? I think we've done a good job of trying to like keep up with everybody, but also you've got a little bit of extra freedom. You know, you get a little bit less of like, hey, Jake, do you have a second? Jake, do you have a second? Yeah. So it's been it's been good. We bought a house. Uh, literally like two, like a week and a half before the world went into lockdown. So we've been enjoying that. And so, 
uh, playing a lot more golf. So it's actually been kind of, you know, I've, I've actually taken the time to kind of find a little mental separation. So it's been, it's been good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that was the same with me. I moved like a few weeks before the shutdown, just coincidentally moved in with my girlfriend. So it was like, man, we, we picked a, a hell of a time to, to uh, make that <laughs> you went all in, so, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And, um, you know, one thing I really wanted to, to start off with was to talk about the early days of your career. Um, sure, man. You came in, first job, uh, looked like you were selling for uh, the Rays, doing some yep. season ticket sales and things like that. Yep. And to me, as a sports fan, um, yeah, that seems like the dream, or at least in college right. it did. You know, I'm yeah, from yeah, Boston, yeah. so it was like I knew people that would sell for the Red, uh, Red Sox or the Celtics or whatever it might be. So, I'd love to just hear about that experience, maybe the good, the bad, because it sounds like it's, it's a little bit of a grind and maybe not. Yeah. Like you get to shake hands with all the players all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's exactly what it is. No, it's not. Yeah. Just so you guys yeah. know. Uh, look, I mean, I was probably a lot like you, right? I graduated. I was like, man, that would be so great. I'd go work in sports and I love sports. And, um, you know, I... You know, I was really fortunate to get that job. Um, I'd done, you know, I had an internship in college uh, in with a minor league football team in Springfield. And, you know, really, I'll tell you, I think a big reason I got the job, and, and I've talked about this before, so, uh, but I think it's an important one is, you know, I had a professor and, and I feel like I was very lucky. He said, you know what you've got to do is bring a business plan to the interview process. I was like, okay, well, what is that? And so he kind of just explained it to me about just bring a plan. And so, you know, I brought to that interview, I brought a, it's funny. I, so I found the one that I did for the coyotes and I found the one that I did for career builder. I can't find the Tampa one. I know it exists somewhere. Um, but I basically brought like, Hey, here's, here's what I know about the Tampa market. Here's how I think I'm going to position the raise to actually be successful and to sell stuff. And so I think that really set me apart from the interview you know, process. My GPA wasn't super amazing. I, the thing is, again, the other thing that set me apart is look, when I was in college, I worked. I did telemarketing, I waited tables, I, you know, so I'd already had some at bats and experience. So by the time I, you know, I was working 30 hours a week in college. So for me, by the time I graduated, I already had probably a year or two full years of work experience on all these people. And yeah. so it allowed me to really accelerate my career very quickly because I was already so far ahead of them. And so I think, you know, you got to be prepared when those opportunities come, you know, you can't just show up and wing it. And I think, you know, those factors, getting the experience, being prepared really helped to set me apart uh, early in my career for sure. And how important is it to get some of that early experience like in college and in high school? You know, I was I was teaching tennis camps. I sold Cutco knives in college. That yeah, was kind of go. my foray into sales. But how important yeah. do you think that is for people that are in college to get some level of, you know, telemarketing or whatever it might be to kind of give them a foray into what sales might really be like? Yeah, look, if you're in college, I mean, 100%, you know, like you don't know what you want to do. And I think too often, um, and I wasn't, I mean, let's be, let's be very real here, right? Like I wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm going to go into sales right after college. It was more of like, I knew I wanted to work in sports. I'd already had sales experience. I found I was, I knew that I was good at it then. And then I think I really kind of came into my own in my first two years, two, two to three years out of school. Um, but I think, for a lot of people, yeah, why not dabble? Why not go get a part-time job? Why not go do some of that in advance versus just focusing on the checkbox for your mom and dad, which is what 99% of people are going to college for. They're not going to college to learn shit. They're going to college to party and to you know, do the checkbox for mom and dad and then figure it out later. And so I think, you know, and that's how whenever we bring in interns, you know, we, it's a job. 
You know, like we don't treat them like interns, like you have responsibilities, you have deadlines and you're supposed to meet those. And, yeah. you know, they learn, they really learn a skill. So I, I feel like, you know, you've got to make that at least a goal. You know, if, even if your major doesn't require it, you know, I would, I would always be focused on like, you know, at least getting a glimpse of what the real world's going to be like. Yeah. And because of that experience, did you get, did you feel like you latched onto that first job pretty quickly? Like you, you started to have some success or, or what was that like? Yeah, exactly. Cause I'd already done, I mean, when you've got to try to, I mean, you did Cutco, so you get it. Like when you've got to try to get someone's credit card over the phone, you know, you, you've got to be able to make a connection, build rapport very, very quick. And you know, Tampa at the time was literally the worst team. I mean, now they're the number one team in the American league right now. Uh, but at the time they were literally the worst team in the worst stadium. And, you know, so you had to learn like, look, so what are you really selling? Like, I'm not selling tickets. I'm selling time with your kids. I'm selling a, like making your current customers happy. I'm selling new customer acquisition. I'm not selling tickets to baseball games. And I think I had inherently learned that skill already. Whereas other people were talking about, oh, we're going to be better this year. And I, I didn't talk about the team. I would talk about the experience and making sure yeah. people, like we talked about what that would be like. And so I think I, that skill in particular is what helped to leapfrog me very early over people in their first, you know, even, even people that already had three or four years of experience. I think why I moved past them faster was that I always knew that it was about selling the outcome, the benefit versus what it tactic, what it tactically is. And so that's my advice for a lot of young sellers is always just think about what does this mean to that other person? What's the outcome that other person, why are they purchasing? Why are they trying to do this thing? And you've got to sell that thing. You know, you can't just sell the, the dream of, uh, you know, we're going to be better this season or whatever it is. So. And that probably even helps you to get more interested in the job. Like let's say you're selling, a technology that you, or, you know, you're not passionate about or a widget or whatever. But when you think about it as, hey, I'm helping Jake do his job better, make more money, you know, run his business easier, whatever it might be, that then makes, at least from my perspective, makes you feel more fulfilled as a salesperson. Absolutely. Right? And it's less about like, you know, doing the thing and making the call and trying to sell. And it's like, no, this, if I believe in the product and I believe it actually helps the customer, which, you know, that's the first point then you should feel comfortable and confident and more fulfilled with what you're doing. That's right. And that's it. If you don't believe in what you're selling or you can't get behind it, I just don't think you can be successful. You know, if you don't really believe in the outcome that you can produce for somebody, you can't be successful because you can't, your heart's not in it. And then the prospect yeah. will hear it. You know, they'll know that you're just going through the motions versus this is somebody who actually believes this is going to be helpful and that you can, you, and it, you can transfer that sense of belief right? Like you can yep. transfer that sense of, you know, Hey, this is going to help you. This is going to be beneficial for you. And if you don't have that belief, they hear it, they hear the, you know, the mundane, they hear the, you know, the not bought in this, et cetera. So. Yeah. And how would you suggest folks do that? Like, do you think sitting in talking with customers is a great way to do that? Absolutely. Do you think it's like, don't even join the company unless you really, really get the product first. Like what's the, like, how do you make sure that you do It's interesting. That? Uh, look, I'll, I'll take a step back. I think I'll answer that, but I want to, I think I'll address something different. One is you've got to give, you've got to care about being in sales. Like meaning mm -hmm. if you're not interested in being a student of the game and getting better and wanting to be better, that's, that to me is actually the prereq. The prereq was like, are you 
do you want to be the best possible sales individual you can be or move then into leadership or, or whatever that is for you? If you don't have that hunger, it's never going to work for you. For me, I can get excited about a lot of different things because I can see a lot of different angles and utilities for it. But if I didn't have that baseline of like really being passionate about sales and really being excited and continuing to grow as a, a professional and, and having that, that, that appetite to get better, then I don't think you can be great at sales either. You know, um, you can probably be serviceable. You know, you could build like a good life and, you know, just kind of meander along and make decent money. But I don't think you can be really, really legendary great if you don't love sales at the core. And then I think if you love sales, you can find, I think it's easier to find interest or passion in other, you know, in, in different verticals. You know, when I got into like the job space, right? Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm so passionate about selling, you know, job advertisements or right. whatever, you know, like, right. no. But when you think about the outcome, I'm helping people get jobs. I'm helping companies hit their revenue goals. I'm helping companies, you know, succeed. Like you, that's something you can get behind. So I think a lot of sellers almost look at their job too tactically that in, as opposed to looking for, hey, what does this thing actually do? But I think it, it, a lot of it though does start with having that, that desire to get better as a seller and really treat it like a profession. And I think mm -hmm. that's where that to me is the foundation that if you don't have that, you're going to struggle period, you know? And so a lot of you out there, maybe do a quick gut check and see, you know, Hey, is this, you know, am I, do I want to get better at this skill? And if the answer is no, then, you know, go, go do accounting or, or something else. Yeah. And I would say, you should probably, you know, depending on where you are in your career, it might take some time. You know, sales is hard um, for anyone, no matter how good or how yeah, passionate for sure. you are. So like my, my suggestion to folks is that you give it at least a year um, because the first, you know, three, six, nine months, like you might not make a sale or you might not hit your numbers as a BDR, whatever you're doing. But I feel like you should, you should sign yourself a commitment to do it. Give it a year. And if at the end of the year you stink at it and you hate it, it's all good. Go do something else. And that's what I think your 20s and maybe even your 30s or 4s, like trying to figure out what it is you want to do and that you're good at. But just because it's tough for the first month and you kind of suck at it to start with doesn't mean. Absolutely, you man. Wait, either, you know, kind of. That, that's it, exactly you know, right. Yeah. And, and, and sell out completely, meaning like commit, like there's a difference between like, I'm going to give it a shot for a year and like, I'm going to study, learn, grow, rip off what other people are doing, take best practices, try new things and do that for a year versus Johnny, you know, who shows up from nine to five and then goes out and just wants to get drunk with his boys. Like yeah, exactly. it's, it's a very different mindset. So if you're going to do it, you have to choose the former. You have to pick to go all in. And for me, um, you know, I'll tell a story that I think will be really helpful about a kind of a point in my career. So I was really successful in sports, two and a half years, um, told my boss to F off. I got fired. Um, don't tell your boss to F off no matter how much, and you'll, you'll find this out. And it's kind of, I think it's hard, you know, like, can you tell that story? I, I was going to oh, ask dude, you. all day. Yeah, yeah, no, I can <laughs> tell, I'll tell it. So I went to, I, I, so I'll tell you, so I was in Tampa for a year and a half. I'll tell the story I actually had, then I went to the coyotes cause that was another fun one. Um, so I, um, we got a new VP in Tampa. 
uh, I, I cannot remember this dude's name. Anyway, long story short, and I was at the time I was the number one salesperson in the in the org. Is me and this other guy. We were we got we I got promoted in a year and a half from group sales to season ticket to one of two senior account executives. And me and him were actually hiring and managing the first true inside sales team they'd ever had in sixteen months. And so I thought I was like God's gift. I'm like I am the man. I am so good. So we got this new VP, and I'll never forget Clark Beacom. Clark actually is here in Austin now. He's the head. He's the CRO of the new Austin MLS team. That start next year. And uh, I remember Clark, Clark was probably, I mean, he, Clark was, you know, 28 at the time or so, 27. I'm like, Clark, I want to go meet with him and I want to find out what he's all about. And I could just see the look of dread in Clark's eyes hmm. of just like, oh God, what's Jake going to do? Like, and sure enough, like immediately I went in and I, I look at this guy, he's like a 45, 50 year old grown ass man. And I'm like, so man, so hey, like, you know, it's been like, you know, a week and a half. I, you know, I haven't had a chance to meet. Like, t- tell me what you're all about. <laughs> the guy looked at me with this just look of disgust of like yeah. who who is it my and I just see like the the blood drain out of my boss's face and I I don't know man I thought I I had I didn't quite understand how the world worked especially politics <laughs> and so I ended up I I was already interviewing at the time so I moved to Phoenix I was there for for about ten months and you know what I what I was doing extremely well and. You know, I just, I just thought like, if you're a top salesperson, you just kind of do whatever you want. And that's just, that unfortunately is not the case. And, and also just, you know, there's a lot of bosses out there that man, you know, they pay a lot of lip service to like, you know, I'm like, you know, they'll go and get drunk with you or whatever it is. And then you think you can joke with them, but you can't. And that's really what happened. It's like, I thought I had this relationship with my boss. And so I sent an email and told him to F off about something that I thought he was giving me grease over. They pulled me in the office the next day and fired me. And I was just like, what? Like I couldn't believe it. I was the number one seller in premium seats at the time. And I, I just, I could not believe it. You know, I remember I was like crying in my car right home, like, like my life's over. Um, and so, you know, it was a really rude awakening for me about just like corporate culture, you know, and just like how, how, and it was also just like how, in, how dispensable salespeople are. That there's just an, an idea and, and an attitude a lot of times and sales leaders too. It's like, look, and especially in sports. So, so that's the disenfranchisement with sports. Their attitude is like, everybody wants your job. We'll just go find somebody else who's willing to work for nothing. And that's just the attitude. And so I kind of had that realization, you know, I was like, oh man, like, is this really what I want to do? Like, I want to get treated like this, like, and, yeah. you know, have this drama and, and, you know, look, there's only one head of sales at a sport, a sports team on the ticket side and one maybe on the sponsorship side. So every promotion you've got to move across the country. And, and that's fine for me. I like, you know, living in different spots, but you know, it's just a very interesting space. It's not as, it's definitely, it's just like working in entertainment. Do you get to meet the players every once in a while? Sure. You know, I shake Wayne Gretzky's hand. Yes. Like, but that's not the day to day, the day to day, especially major league baseball, there's, you know, 82 home games. So you're working from 7am to 11pm, 82 days. And you're, and then it's not like, Oh, come in later the next day. It's like, no, then get your ass back in at you know, 8am. So, so that's a little bit of the early days. That, that's how I, that's how it all shook out. Yeah. I, do you think that's something, do you see that a lot with the other, other young people that are doing well, maybe have that, I don't know if it's a resistance to authority or if it's uh, just getting too big for your own britches early because you're seeing success. Like, is that yeah. something that you, you, 
you saw throughout your career that people did that to you when you yeah were, yeah it's a, but but again I think I just I can deal with it better you know like I think maybe because I was that person you know I can I can deal with people who have maybe a little bit more of an ego and not um and not feel it's my job to break them down or anything but instead to to channel it maybe more appropriately and be like look and and that's how it is you know if you if like if one of my people told me to f off it's just funny I would just never respond that way right like I would, I would, I would be like, well, what am I doing to cause this situation? Oh crap. Maybe I'm going to Hooters and getting drunk with these guys. And now they think they think like I, they can get all familiar. Like that's mm. on me as a leader. And so I feel like it, it made me more aware of a, a leader. And I definitely had multiple where, I, you know, people stepped out of line or maybe said something that, you know, I think other people would have fired them for. And for me, it was like, okay, all right, let's, this is a coachable moment here. Let's like sit down and have the conversation. And some of those people turned out to be just, you know, top, top, top performers. And there definitely could have been a world where I could have, you know, fired them for kind of them yeah. stepping out of line. But I, I think you've got to find the right leader that, you know, you can trust. And it's tough to know though. It's really, really hard, man. Really hard. Yeah. So how do you, that was, this is an interesting topic because the last, uh, the last role I had was my first sales management gig. And, um, you know, I was managing people that were my age, a year younger. Right. And, and there's a culture of, you know, people kind of, you know, it's a friendly office and a friendly team and it's a, you know, tight knit group. And so I always felt uncomfortable a little bit being like that same age where it's like, Hey, you want to go get a beer? Do you want to, you know, then you're talking yeah. about, other, yeah. And there's that, there's always that fine line between like, you want to build a relationship with people and you yeah. want to, if they want to open up to you about, you know, personal things or, you know, yeah. the financial goals that they have or of course. You know, something that's going wrong with their family that's affecting them. Like you want to be there and you want to know that and you want to have those conversations, but kind of bordering that with not getting too close, right? Because then it's hard to make, uh, you know, an objective decision. This person gets promoted over this person or this person needs to be let go or whatever the situation is. So that's, is that something that you find to be difficult too? Or do you have advice yeah. on that? Yeah, it, it, you can't have it both ways, right? You can't, yeah. you can't be invested in people and not feel for people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, yes, I, I need to know. I want to know where my people are trying to go, their goals. And does it make it, is, are there times when, you know, you maybe delay a tough decision? Sure. Yeah, I definitely think it can have an impact. Um, but the key is there's a difference between invested in somebody and being somebody's like best friend or buddy. And I think that's where you have to kind of know the line of, you know, and the other thing I talk a lot about is that leadership isn't a hat that you come into work and put on. And I think that that's where I see the, the flip side is those leaders who come in and they're this certain way inside the office. And then you get them outside of work and they're insane, you know, or like whatever it is, right. Those are the people that's fake leadership. You know, leadership is something where you're, you're fairly consistent. We're all a little bit different inside and outside of work. Sure. But you're fairly consistent. You know, leadership's not a hat. You come in, it's nine o'clock, you put your leadership hat on and you walk out. Leadership is a 24 seven commitment. And so I think, look, I would always engineer toward caring about people and maybe being slightly slower to let someone go than, you know, acting like, I, oh, you know, I don't know, like tough inside of work. And then you're a completely different person outside of it. So it's a really tough thing, honestly that still even at you know 40 i still think i'm like okay at so yeah you know it's i don't think i don't think it's 
each person's so individual that it's, there's, it's really tough to say it's always this way or that way. Yep. So I want to, um, I want to pivot a little bit to something that you talk a lot about that I think is, is super interesting and I agree with, and that's choosing your career path over, you know, short-term financial gains, especially early in your career. Um, you know, when I came out of school, um, you know, I wasn't, I was making, you know, a lot less than a lot of my other friends that went into a big four accounting firm or, you know, sure. or financial analyst or whatever, um, coming in as, you know, a, a, a first time salesperson, but I learned a ton so early. Um, and I think you've, you've talked a lot about, you know, maybe not taking that five to 10 K more money and really focus on learning and growing. And it kind of speaks earlier to treating sales as a craft and in a profession that you want to get better at. But for people that are maybe have that carrot dangling ahead of them of a recruiter saying, Hey, you can make 10 K yeah. more doing this. Um, but they know that maybe they're just going through a tough, a tough period and, and need to learn and grow where they're at or, or a different job. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's a tough, I think it's a tough, uh, topic sometimes for people just for the simple fact that look, everyone has their own situation, right? You might have, maybe you had a kid early, maybe you, maybe you don't have the luxury of not taking the money. And, and in those cases, it's like, you know, do what you got to do, you know? And so I, the, the key thing, and, and sometimes people, I guess, like, I don't know, over, over focus on it. My point is if you can focus on taking jobs to learn skills. And I think that's really the root of all of this is like, it's the same thing as going to back, it's going to school, right? You should go to school to learn shit, not to get a degree, but to actually learn stuff and learn a skill. But how often do you just go to go through the motions? And so I feel like if every job you think before you take the job, you got to think, what am I trying to get out of this? What's the skill that I'm trying to hone? What, what's the, you know, what's the thing that I want to get better at or double down on? I'm already good at it. And I want to, you know, emphasize that. I feel like that decision-making is what separates people once, once they, especially, man, that it's like that late 20s, early 30s, the people that focus on skill development early, you then see like an arc in their career versus the people that kind of just go to the next job for a little bit more, the next job, the next job. And so, and then there comes that, that part where like the paths cross because the arc starts to get steeper. And because they delayed that, because they focus on building skill and then over time they're going to make a lot more money. So I feel like not enough people are purposeful about the jobs they take. They look at the dollar amount versus the skill that they're going to build. And I feel like that is the trade-off that most people need to think about. Are you taking this job to build skill or are you taking this job for five grand or 10 grand more, but you're not actually going to learn anything. Now, if you need the 10 grand, totally different conversation, right? Yeah. But if you don't need need not want need the 10 grand really think about like am i going to learn more the grass isn't greener in most cases and so for me because i really focused on that you know i made a decision you know one of the, a very pivotal decision that i made i was uh you know after i left sports I, I did like a little bit of real estate for a little bit and i was not i could not self-manage i mean i was like what 20 <laughs> five 25 26 yeah almost just turned 26 and dude i just nah, I was playing i think godfather on xbox 24 <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't I, I couldn't stay focused so i was yeah. like i gotta get a job like i'm not one of those people like i need a job and so when i got it got into back into tech at career builder 
you know, for me, I, you know, moved into leadership quick and I won't get into all the details, but, you know, I was in, in leadership for two and a half years. And then I realized, you know, look, I, I kind of, again, I was the number one team two years in a row in percent to quota out of 25 inside teams. So I was like, okay, like I, I've, I've gotten pretty good at this, right? And guess what? I was doing it for over two years, right? So guys, once you have a little bit of success, it doesn't mean you're, you're like good at it. It means like you're starting to maybe possibly be good at something after two years, two and a half years. But what I realized, look, for that next, next step that I wanted, I needed enterprise sales experience. Like I, we had closed my team and like we had closed six figure deals before, but there was like one or two. But I knew like, to your point, talking about being a first time manager, if I was, you know, my mid, my mid to late twenties, I'm going to go lead some 45 year old grown ass, you know, man or woman. I, I got, I got to walk the walk, you know, I needed to go do it. So I let, I went back into the field. I made a choice to go back into the field, back into sales, back into the grind, because I needed a skill, a skill set, right? So I went back into the field, transferred to the San Francisco office, was a major account executive, got promoted to national. I was the youngest national account executive out of like 75 people. And what that did for me is then when Glassdoor came along, I had proven leadership experience, proven enterprise sales experience, cribbled a, a I, when I was in Phoenix, they, they paid for my MBA. So I went back and got my MBA. I was like, well, look, they're going to pay for it. So I worked full time, went to school full time, you know, 10 plus hours a week. Um, and then when the opportunity came, I was the best candidate to be the first VP of sales. And, and it's because of always taking opportunities to learn and grow and build skill versus you know, I could have stayed in Phoenix. Things would have been cush. Things were good. I had a good team. Things were good. We were cranking, you know, like I didn't need to leave to go back into the field. It wasn't a need. And I don't know. I don't know. Did I make more money? I don't think I made more money. I, I would guess it probably at that point in leadership, it was probably net, 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 maybe a step back because I didn't know like what commission I would make, or maybe it was close to equal of going back and being an enterprise rep. I don't, I don't remember. But it definitely wasn't like a, oh, I'm getting a big pay bump here. It was kind of the opposite. Yeah. It was like I had this really cush. So I think that's, that, that's my advice for a lot of people is focus on building skill, well, forever, but definitely early because that skill compounds over time. And I'm telling you, man, I've seen those leaders. I've talked to them. I've seen them. Those people who in their mid-20s, late-20s, they just kept taking that next sales role. I got a lot of buddies from college you know, that are kind of in that, they got into the medical device sales and all this stuff. And yeah, that's just, you know, it's a very path. So how do you, how do you think about your career or how maybe it's different now, but how did you in your late twenties, mid twenties, you're thinking about skill development. Were you thinking one role at a time? Like, Hey, in order to get to where I want to be next, I need to sell enterprise. And then from there, it's like, all right, now I need to lead a team. Or did you think, hey, 10 years from now, I want to, you know, be a CEO or I want to be a VP of sales and yeah. these are the things I need to do? No, uh, it's somewhere, somewhere like in between probably. It was more, the, the advice I give to people is you always think about the next, next step. Okay, not where I'm in now, not the next role, but what am I doing over this role and the next role to prepare me for the next, next role? That is the mindset you have to have at least. And then if, look, if you could, if you have that foresight to think about five roles ahead, then amazing for me, again, I am a naturally curious per, I like to learn. I like to yeah. improve. I like to um, grow. 
And so for me, I, I drove a lot of my career decisions based on growth. I drove a lot of my career decisions based on, okay, I know that, you know, again, like, let's just go back to career builder. I was a, a, a inside sales leader and we traveled into the field probably once a month with my team. So it was like a mid enterprise, it was like a SMB to mid market sale, you know, that my team was doing. I thought about, look, if I want to be an AVP, right? Someone who's running a region or running a regional office, what are the skills I'm going to need? Like, okay, well, I'm, I've got an okay amount, again, of leading this type of person, you know, like this. Yeah. So I'm going to need to get experience, you know, and, and that was really kind of the, 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 the flex point I had, that there was a step above that was in between from a leadership standpoint, but my team was already getting promoted into that group. You know, mm. I, during that two-year period, I had more people promoted my team. And we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of reps across the company than any other team. So it's like, okay, am I gonna, what am I going to learn there? It's like, are the reps that different? Is the deal size that different? I'm like, no, it's not. It's like very small. Enterprise sales, though, I knew was a, a bigger gap. So I knew if I, okay, if I had this leadership, then I had done this, then that's probably going to put me in the best position to be an AVP or a, a regional leader. And so that would be my advice is just think about the next, next step. If you have the foresight to know exactly what it is you want to be in 10 years, then fantastic. Then reverse engineer it. Okay, great. So where do you need to be, you know, in eight years? Then where do you need to be in six years? Where do you need to be in four years? Where do you need to be in two years? So it's all about reverse engineering your skills and reverse engineering the path there. And then, and then, you, then you start to play with it. You say, okay, well, that's my 10 year plan. How can I get there in six? Well, I guess if I did this, if I did this right now, and then I did this right now, as opposed to too many people that goes back to it. If you're always just looking at the extra five, 10, 20 K, you're not thinking about your career like this, man. You're thinking about yeah. your career is just like, and you think you're going to get picked like some special flower if you just do really well. Like, oh, well, look at Johnny. Johnny's doing so well. We're going to magically promote him. Um, that is just not how it works. You got to go get yours. You know, you got to go yeah. make it happen. And if people help you and companies help you along the way, like I said, career builder, you know, for me early in my career, they put me through leadership training. They put me through executive leadership training. They paid for my MBA. So I found a company, but I took every advantage of it. I pushed for those opportunities. I didn't sit back and wait for them. You know, I didn't say, oh, well, I wonder if I can get picked for this. I was like, no, look, I know about this program. I want to be a part of it. What do you need to see from me over the next six months to make it happen? And I think too many people are passive in their career development or expect their boss or somebody else to do it for them. And that's just not how it works. You've got to, you have to own your career development and hope that you'll find some people along the way that are going to help you to get there, but you can't rely on that solely. And that brings me to, um, a, new, a, a thing that you wrote about about six months ago that is, you know, I'm bringing you into what I call the selfish section of the interview where I ask something that's very selfish for me personally. And so I started uh, a new role this week. And one of the posts that really stuck out to me from yours was uh, talking about some of the things that you would do if you started at a new company at a new job um, that were a little polarizing. Uh, some people might love it. Some people might hate it. Could you sure. elaborate on that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you brought that one up. That was I, because it, it's I, it is exactly what I would do. It's not bullshit. It, it's what I would do. Look, I realized very early in my career. I'll tell you what it was. I had a guy when I was in Tampa. This guy Brian Ross and Brian. Brian's now I think Brian's a head of sales at maybe for the Pelicans. I, I can't remember where Brian's at. Shout out Brian Ross. What's up, bud? Uh, but Brian, Brian was older than me. Brian was probably five or six years older than me. So he had switched. He had been in banking and he had a passion for sports and wanted to get into sports. So he had switched. And so Brian turned me back on to reading. 
and turn me back on. I used to like to read, you know, when I was growing up, I liked to read a little bit and not so much in college, but I, I did enjoy it. So Brian, you know, would suggest books and I would read. And what I realized through this is like, man, I'm just going to rip all this stuff off. Like all these best practices in these books, I'm just going to do it. Like these people wrote books, like they're doing well. Like I'm just going to literally repeat what they say to, to say to people. And, you know, and then I'd listen to the other reps that had been there for a while. Like, oh, that's smart. I'm just going to steal that too. And, and so if I started a new job and then, so I go back to, then again, I get my next job. What do I do again? I go listen to what the top reps are saying, who are the top performers. And I go rip off and say exactly what they said. And then I go make it my own. And I think I learned very early on that when you start a new job, you know, what I, the point I made is like, I would now, I, and I I think I would do this. I would go now to the very top or top two salespeople said, look, I'm going to give you 10% of my commission if you spend an extra two hour or an hour with me every week. Why? Because you're not competing against that. That is this bull, this bullshit in sales cultures. You're not competing against each other. You're competing against yourself. So therefore go beg, borrow and steal the best practices from everybody. Same thing with sales tech. The net, I don't know if I remember it was that post or a different one. I said, look, I would, oh my God, I wish half these tools existed when I was a seller. I would have no problem, zero. <laughs> spending two to $300 a month on my own sales tech stack. Why? I know it's going to make me better. And I don't need a boss to tell me that. I don't need a sales ops team. If this thing can help me to stack. Dude, I, oh, outreach, gong, outreach, gong, and sales nav, I would pay for out of my own pocket immediately, mm-hmm. right? Outreach. Why? The amount of the volume of quality interactions that I could do because I can just I can just triage more people, not to hit send all, that's not why, but, but I, can just, I can just have so many different people in different parts. Sales navigator, so again, I can build lists, I can do commenting, liking, a lot of those things, and then gong so I could listen to my own game tape and get better. Um, so that, that would be some of like the core, the core ones that I would have, but I'd have no problem paying that 300 bucks a month. And again, a lot of people are like, why would you work for a company that would make you pay? I'm like, look, it, it, the company's job is not to give you everything. Like I'm doing this because I think that $300 a month investment is going to turn into 3000. So that's on me. I am making this choice. I think my, this thousand dollar a month investment in this rep to teach me everything they know and and sit in on my calls and be, have invested. I think that's going to make me $4,000 a month. So I think for me, I always just think about, this is about you getting better. I mean, that's kind of a theme we've been talking about this morning is like, you know, this is all about me being the best version of me and if my company is going to pay for it, amazing. Thank you. Love you. I'm going to try to convince my boss to pay for it. But if not, I've got no problem doing it. I, I seriously, and I, and I don't understand the mindset of people that would not want that. They wouldn't want someone to be more vested in them. They wouldn't want to have a best in class tech stack um, on their own. So that's my, that's my take on it, man. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the same thing as, signing up for, you know, a sales training online, it's reading sales books or podcasts or whatever. It's, it's finding a dollar amount that again, according to whatever your circumstances are that you can invest, um, to help make yourself better and and then make more money in the long run. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely with that. Uh, before we let you wrap up, um, I, appreciate a lot of the content that you put out. You seem to follow a, a very Gary V esque model where you know, you're all over, you're all over Instagram, which is, you know, I think pretty rare in the sales community, yeah. uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, you're, you're hitting it hard and heavy. So 
yeah. one, where is the best place for people to, to find you and connect with you? And two, what's, what's top of mind? What's something that you're excited about right now? Yeah. I mean, look for all of your sellers. I think, look, man, if I was, it just goes back to guys like, look, I think I've put up now almost 300 plus videos on YouTube at least. Mm. And we haven't even really been focused there. So that that's like the next news. So what I'm really excited about for, for me and what I'm focused on is I'm going to do be doing like a dedicated YouTube show talking about scaling some of the things we're talking about, scaling business, scaling your career, things like that. But go check out my YouTube. And again, go rip off everything I talk about. Guys, I am telling you, I, look, I'm not, and I'll tell you this. I had a boss that taught me this. I was 26, going on 27. I was at Career Builder. I was the second to last person. I hadn't sold anything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm God's gift. Why haven't I sold anything? And he goes, Jake, drink the Kool-Aid. He goes, just do. It goes back to what I'm telling you guys. Like, this is a reoccurring theme in my life where people would just tell me, dude, just sell out. Just, like, and, and he goes to me, he goes, Jake, I listened to your call do you think we train a thousand people on this because it doesn't work? Do you think the sales process, do you think, like, do you think we're stupid? And I was like, no. He's like, then just read the script, read the messaging. I closed $60,000 in new business the next month. 60, wow. six zero. Wow. And so go watch the YouTube stuff and just rip it off. Just do verbatim. Like I literally give a lot of tactical scripting too, not just like the theory. So I would go check out YouTube. If you just want like some tips to like up your game, LinkedIn, obviously, look, every day I'm posting on LinkedIn once, if not twice a day. So definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, Instagram, if you like smoke meats and behind the scenes stuff, I share more of like that. I do a daily sales tips on my Instagram stories um, where I just like, a, you know, something like in this conversation, I'll be like, hey, here's something very tactical. So trying to do something a little bit different on each platform, but LinkedIn is kind of home base. And I think for all of you out there in sales, the number one advice that I can give you is build a digital presence. And what I mean by that is, uh, guys, I'm not doing this. I am doing this because this is where my audience lives, right? They are, a lot of these people are on LinkedIn, CEOs, VPs of sales, our clients, my clients are on LinkedIn. And so I'm communicating, building a reputation. You have an online reputation, whether you want to or not, I can Google your name. And I'm telling you, as it gets more and more difficult to cut through the noise, as email gets more inundated, as phone and all these channels, having a reputation is going to help you to cut. We've closed millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in business from organic. We, we've closed big six figure deals with people where the conversation is Jake. I don't even know what you do. I don't even, yeah, by the way, for everyone, I run a sales <laughs> consulting company. And so they're like, I don't even know what you do, but I, I, I get the gist of it. Like, can we set up a meeting? And, you know, we've closed, you know, $80,000 deals in two days. Like, so building a reputation, it's going to help you cut through the noise. It's going to help to accelerate deal cycles, establish you in your own space. Don't worry about being, if you sell into HR, be the best person you can be for HR leaders. If you sell into finance, be the best person you can for CFOs or for people in banking. I think, look, for me, I talk so much about sales because that's my audience. That's, that's what I do. And, but if I sold into, for some reason, you know, aerospace engineers, I would never talk about sales on LinkedIn. I would only talk about the future of aerospace engineering. And so I think too many people like focus on the reputation that you want to build because it will pay off big time. And that's why we're doing it. You know, why do you think we're investing in this organic social media, right? We're investing because, you know, it's, it's about building reputation. And once you have that, that is something that stays with you for a long time. So start today. Don't worry about being too young. Just share things you learn. Share things like you start. You started a podcast, right? Like, you know, think about what are the things that you know. Reshare conversations you have with executives. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, but but 
now would be the time I would, I would double down on this if I were you. And, and even that too, not only just for selling better, but for future job opportunities too, you know, it stands out as part of the, Easy. as someone that has just gone through the interview process uh, for the last few months, it's definitely something that, that stands out and is a conversation piece and just helps people get to know you better. And, and I bet, better. man. Yeah. How, I mean, how easy was it? I mean, how much did it help you to open doors? Uh, you know, for, I helped a ton. I mean, yeah. part of it, you know, just seeing that and being able to talk about that, I think has helped to just, you know, legitimize uh, a younger person, but also even more importantly, I think it's just been the connections. You know, yeah. I met you, I meet people like you, uh, that then, you know, if there's an opportunity down the line, either it's yeah. with you or it's with someone, you know, and it's, 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 that's been help, super helpful. That's exactly right, man. That's exactly it. So uh, I appreciate you, Jake. I, you know, I'm not, I'm awesome, not man. you, you have some of the best content out there. Uh, so everyone check them out on you know, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, wherever you uh, prefer to uh, ingest some of your content and, uh, and give it a listen. But Jake, I appreciate the time this morning, man. Awesome, man. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Take care, everyone.